Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. so faithful. He's so faithful. I, we can attest to this fact that in every season of our life, God has been faithful. Amen. Anybody else can say that? And uh, I'm thankful this morning for his faithfulness. Well, this is a special Sunday for us. Uh, birthdays are always good. I don't know if, the, I guess it's an anniversary technically, but we're going to call it birthday because uh, nine years ago, this Sunday, this Sunday, it was a different date on the calendar, but it was this Sunday, we were uh, launched publicly, and uh, so it's an important day. And I want to do a couple things uh, this morning. First of all, uh, you always get in trouble when you you start picking people out, so I got to be careful. So, all right, first of all, so let me do some things, and then I'll get out of the way. First of all, I want to honor a guest we have with us today. Terry and Kendra Louder are here our assistant superintendents here in the conference, and we thank you for celebrating with us. And they're always great encouragement uh, to us, and it's just a, a pleasure to have you. Uh, I want to do one other thing, and this gets dangerous because, uh, again, I think uh, if I'm not careful, it makes it sound like I'm uh, diminishing your faithfulness, and I'm not because I know so many of you are so faithful. But I do think it's important to do this. I, if you were with us on the first service, in the very first service, uh, not the preview services because we got some that even go back before we were birthed publicly. Uh, but if you were in the very first service that we ever did, which was in August of 2007, I want you to stand and stay standing. Will you do that? Yeah, look around. That's pretty incredible. We honor you guys for putting up with us this long, all right? Yeah. Uh, you do know that that doesn't normally happen. 
uh, we were in a training seminar, Woody and I were in a training seminar this week, and they talk about how uh, you, when you get ready to start a church, you just need to know that everybody you start with is going to leave. And that has not been the case here, and so we are so thankful. So let me give you some history uh, in the way of an introduction uh, this morning. Um, and I'm going to try not to steal all my thunder from at the end of service, and I don't know if I can pull this off, but I'm going to. Um, uh, this service is important to us because we celebrate what God has done in our midst. Um, I've made some lists lately. I made one last night that was mind-boggling of the number of families and individuals we've helped as a church. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's mind-boggling. We forget what God has done sometimes, um, and I don't have time to go through all that. But um, I want to, man, I'm trying not to steal my thunder from the end. Let me say it like this. This whole service has been a setup. Uh, and you'll understand why at the end of the service. This this service has been uh, coming for a long time, and it's just taken us a long time to get there. And it really is it is about what God has done for us. But it is also about making sure that in the process, we don't forget how we got here and who played incredibly important roles. Um, the old John Maxwell... Uh, story about if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing, he didn't get there by himself, all right, and that's that's the truth, and we didn't get here by ourselves, and so today has been a setup, and we'll talk more about that. In August, or um, in uh, September of 2006, I was serving as the National Youth Director, and had been doing so for about seven years, and uh, had traveled all over America. In the process, in uh, about um, 2000, I think it was maybe 2001, Julie and I, uh, having a family of our own now, knowing that I was going to be gone a lot, traveling a lot, one of the things that we said is we needed to go some to a church where that would take care of Julie and the kids while I was, some of y'all know Miss Betty, you know, while I was burning the roads. Uh, and so we made a transition and started attending River of Life. And shortly thereafter, Julie started leading worship. I was asked to be an elder, and we were just plugging along. And I was in and out, in and out because of travel. And uh, ironically, the song that we sang first is is very real. Uh, we came alive in the river. What came alive for us was the fact that all the national stuff that I was doing was important, but what came alive to me was that real change happens in local churches. And the people that modeled that for us were our pastors, uh, Pastor Richard and Linda Goad. And they showed us that real change and real discipleship takes place on the local level. So we were plugging along, and in uh, in September of 2006, six, I, I walked in on, I don't even remember what day it was, I don't, I don't know. I asked Pastor Richard if I could meet with him, and I sat down, and I told him, I said, I feel like God's calling me to plant a church in Oklahoma City, and I'm asking you to, to give me your blessing and he will verify this. I also said, if you think this is going to hurt River or if it's out of the will of God, all you have to do is tell me no, and I will go work at Starbucks. Did I say that? I said it just like that. And he said, do it. That's huge. That is a massive step. And so we would not be here. All of the things that have happened, all the people's lives that have been changed, your life that has been impacted in some shape, form, or fashion 
if you back up to that conversation alone and out of fear or any other emotion, Pastor Richard goes, no, I would have honored my word. I would have gone to Starbucks and worked, but we would not have been here. We would not be here right now. And so in a very real way, they are the, the, the father and the mother spiritually of this congregation. Their DNA is here. And so this morning, uh, it, the way it came about is, you know, in uh, June of every year, I don't preach. I ask people to come in that we consider prophetic voices to our body. I called Pastor Richard, who had just happened to get off of, uh, or was getting ready to go on a mission trip, and I said, can you uh, pre preach on the fourth Sunday of Voices? And he said, no, I can't. I just, I'm going to miss two Sundays in a row, and I can't miss my own. And, and I was like, shoot. And so he said no, and I said, okay. And I said, all right. And so I picked up the phone and called Jonathan Hill. Those of you that were here with Jonathan Hill, he's an incredible speaker. And I said, Jonathan, can you come? He said, yes. The next morning, Pastor Richard called me like at 8 o'clock in the morning and said, I was wrong. I should have said yes. Can I come now? And I was like, no. <laughs> and, he, and he said, I should, have never, I should have just said yes. And I'm so sorry. I said, we'll make it up. And instantly the Holy Spirit said, you're having an anniversary service in August. And he's the one, the spiritual father of this house should come and bring the word. And so I know in the past that we, I, every time we have a guest speaker, I ask you to give a huge passion welcome. But this is different. I'm asking you to give honor to whom honor is due and to give the level of honor that is due to the spiritual father and mother of this household and our pastors this morning as they bring the word. Would you please give a big passion thank you to Pastor Richard and Linda Gogue for being here this morning. I love you much. And I don't know. Praise God. <clears throat> now, you weren't supposed to sit down. This is just, you know, the, this is what people do. Man, you guys sat down on me real quick. Uh, it is a delight to be with you this morning. Lynn and I have looked forward to being here, to come to, uh, well, you know how, how fathers are when their kids go off and get married, and then they come back and they've got this family. Lynn and I got married uh, several years ago, 45 to be exact. And now when we had the kids come home, there's 19 of us in the house. So I love that. And so we love what we see this morning. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering. Well, uh, like fathers and sons, sometimes we have things in common. Steve and I have some things in common. We're both sons of preachers. Praise God. Bob's in Stratford. My father's in heaven. Heaven sounds a lot nicer, but, but they're, they're both in the will of God. Praise God. We're both graduates of Southwestern Christian University, so thumbs up for that. How many of you are Southwestern people? 
great, great. We both wore our hair much longer than we do today. The only difference is his hair was actually longer than mine ever got. But I've kept all my hair longer than he has. <laughs> Where's my drummer right now? I need a little I need a little drumming. We both married up. Yeah. And when it, and when Lynn is wearing high heels, I really have to look up. Speaking of Linda, why don't you stand up? This is my wife, Linda. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. I know all of you feel that way, but uh, Lynn and I, well, we knew you when you were just a gleam in Steve and Julie's eyes. So we're going to ask Steve and Julie... Okay, thank you for the ovation that you gave us. But would you appreciate your pastors this morning? Be seated, but don't don't you guys be seated. Yes, that was a true conversation. To this day, I still remember that conversation and always wondered what if I'd said no. But I'm glad. <laughs> Starbucks loss is your gain, right? Praise God. Steve and Julie, it may be the anniversary or the birthday of the church, but we are here to celebrate your leadership, your pastoral ministry and the awesome way that you planted a church and have grown a church. And as your spiritual parents, we couldn't be prouder. So from River of Life and from Linda and me, here's a card, but we'd like for you to open it up. Uh, I actually, I went online and checked out, what do you give people who are celebrating their ninth anniversary? It was pottery. And we tried our best to find something fitting, and we couldn't. So we got them a Starbucks card. <laughs> Let's do <laughs> And a gift card to a restaurant of their cho Well, there's four choices. I guess it's not of your choice. Mahogany's isn't on the gift card. And then a little cash to go buy some pottery that you may like or something else. But words of endearment that truly express how we feel about the two of you. Love you. Love you. Praise God. Steve and I uh, share this. We're both pastors. One of my uh, members actually sent us uh, a note. Uh, this I think they sent it on Facebook, but I'm not sure. Linda showed it to me. said, if you want to make everybody happy, don't become a pastor. Go and sell ice cream. <laughs> I could have given him that advice years ago, but the good news is he would have never taken it because he's a man called of God. And to serve in the will of God puts him right here 
this place at this time. So praise God. Now, sometimes you think old folks just want to reminisce. So I'm going to disappoint you this morning because I'm not here to speak of the past, what was. I want to talk to you about what will be. And I want to talk to you about who God is and therefore what He does continually over and over and over again. Revelations 21.5, Jesus said, I make all things new. He's God. That's what He does. He could be on that commercial, and we could see all kinds of, of statements about this. But here's the reality. He's in the transformation business, and that's what He does. He doesn't settle for the status quo. He doesn't just maintain. God is constantly making all things new. And what a pastor of a church that's getting ready to celebrate its 70th anniversary, we still praise God for people who are celebrating their ninth anniversary. And we might stand before you and say, but watch out for this and be careful about that. But here's what I would declare to each of you, to your pastors, to the leadership of this church, and for all concerned, get ready. God's getting ready to do even more than you can imagine. More than Steve envisioned nine or ten years ago, and more than it even realizes today, God's getting ready to do more. Transforming lives, saving souls, healing the sick, setting the captive free, meeting the needs of a community, and watching an explosion of growth. That is a prophetical word I declare over this congregation and over Passion Church. Can somebody give the Lord a shout out? <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> now, along with it, something probably going to have to change. Raise your hand if you deal well with change. Let's just see the people. God bless you, sir. Do you realize you're the only one in the whole place that raised their hand? And your wife is going... I guess. At least the lady sitting next to you is going. <laughs> Praise God. Reminds me, Linda shared a story with me a couple of weeks ago. A man went to visit his daughter in her home. First time that he'd been able to go and, and see her. And he's just sitting at the kitchen table. She's already poured him a cup of coffee. And she's at the stove preparing breakfast for him on the first morning of his arrival. Then suddenly he asked, hey, sweetie, hand me the newspaper. And she says, oh, Dad, nobody reads newspapers anymore. That's so 20th century. Get with it, Dad. Come on. Everything you can find in the newspaper, you'll find right here. And she handed him her iPad. Go for it, Dad. Whatever you're looking for, whatever you want, it's right there in your hands now. And he said, okay. And he slapped the fly that was on the table and killed it dead. And said that fly never knew what hit him. Change. Sometimes there's unexpected consequences. Things that you don't see coming. But if God's in the transformation business, here's the word I can share with you. God saw everything. God knew everything that you were going to be dealing with. God was preparing you even when you didn't know he was preparing you for what was coming. Is it okay if I talk more with you about what's coming rather than what's happened? 
Steve knows more about what's happened, but I want to talk to, to about the one who says, I will make all things new. Now, I know it's Revelation, so we might be thinking only in terms of the new Jerusalem or perhaps the new heaven and the new earth. And certainly that's at the end of Revelation what he may ultimately be revealing to us. But if you want to go clear back to the beginning, the beginning of his word, the beginning of time, you find that God, the creator, is always making things new. Sometimes he makes new things out of nothing. Sometimes he takes what we have and makes something new out of that by transforming it and changing it and giving new qualities and properties and at least releasing us into the new. It's always about his creative spirit, his ability to transform. He makes everything new. However, having said that, we have to realize everything changes when things become new. Raise your hand if you've ever sent a telegram. Thank you. There were three other people. How about, really, am I really the oldest guy in the house? I remember a car breaking down of mine when I was coming back to Southwestern. My folks lived in L.A., and that's where I'd gone for Christmas vacation. We're coming back to the school, and our car breaks down in New Mexico during a snowstorm. And so I managed to get to a telephone. Remember telephones? Okay. I get to a telephone booth. Imagine that. And I place a collect phone call to my parents. That's what college students did back then, collect phone calls asking for more money. There's one thing that has changed, and that is we don't have telephone booths so much in this more. But I still, raise your hand, college students, if you've already called home and asked for money. Let's see. Yeah, I see those. There are more hands that just now went up. And so my parents wired some money so that we could have a place to stay overnight and fix the car. And so I had to go down to Western Telegraph, uh, Western Union Telegraph to get the money. Now today, my son bought something from me that was in my garage. And before he left the house, he didn't have a checkbook. He didn't have a cash. He just pulled out his cell phone, had an app on it that was on my phone too. And he just sent me $50. I had it like that in my account. Wow, things have changed. We still need money, I guess, but it just comes in different forms. Talking about that snowstorm reminds me that seasons change. Winter, spring, summer, fall. I happen to be, well, you already heard I'm from Southern California, so I have to confess to you, I'm not big on cold. I don't like winter. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I really can't stand winter. I hate being cold. I hate no leaves on the trees, the grass being brown. I hate ice on the road. Anybody with me or are you guys all loving all of this stuff? And yet, at the same time, I know what God is up to. He's renewing. He is transforming, and He is doing a work that ultimately will pay off with new buds on the trees, new flowers in the gardens, green grass, and the joy that comes in seeing the spring, uh, the spring come. In fact, here's what I say to myself in January when there's an ice storm. I say, March and April are coming. March and April are coming. March and April of coming. We were singing a song this morning that Julie led us in. Oh, incidentally, can I, 
I'm going to tell you one thing that I did tell Steve back in the day. I said, Steve, we're going to miss you, but we're going to miss Julie a lot more. <laughs> and I was right. March and April are coming. Here, as they were singing that song, the Lord said, somebody needs to hear this. You may be in the winter of your discontent, but the springtime is coming. There will be buds on your trees. Your grass will be green. There will be a warmth in your spirit and a bounce to your step. Get ready. March and April are coming back into your life. I don't know who that word was for, but would you receive it this morning? Maybe I'm only here to tell one person that one thing. It may feel like winter in your soul. Stay true and faithful to God because He is true and faithful to His Word. And your springtime is just around your corner. Somebody give the praise to the Lord for that word. So, Revelation says that He makes all things new, and yet we can go clear back into the Old Testament and discover that's the reality. In fact, I went back to the Old Testament just to see, you know, the word new is actually used more often in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament. Amazing. And it talks about, oh, preparing for a new harvest. And it says, deal with the harvest of the old, but don't linger there. Eat it up, consume it, and get ready because you need to prepare for your new harvest. Maybe that's why this morning I'm not here to reminisce. I'm here to say, prepare for the new harvest that is coming. Passion Church, praise God. He also talked about, well, there's one, one thing in Leviticus where he says, when a man takes a new wife, he is not to go to war for an entire year. Uh, I, the thought that came to my mind was back when I was in college, we had the draft and the Vietnam War, and I, I sometimes wonder why young people take longer to get married today than in my day, but when I looked at that particular scripture and that, that specific command, I thought, oh, yeah. A lot of guys got married back in my day so they wouldn't get drafted and have to go to Vietnam. Just the truth, just the reality. So things have changed, and that's a good thing. He also says, sing unto the Lord a new song. There's one passage, it's in Psalm 98. He says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. So we can praise God for what He has done. But He says His right hand and His holy arm have gained Him the victory. So here's the thought. We sing a new psalm because there's a new victory to be won in the Lord. Whatever battles we face, there's always a victory ahead. So singing a new song, yes, can be about what He has done, but it's also about what He's going to do. So we are never to dwell merely on the past. Some churches fall into that trap. They only dwell on what the Lord has done. And everything they sing about is about what He used to do and what He once was like and how He moved in our midst. Every church, every gathering of believers ought to have an element of praise and thanks for what God has done. We ought to also praise God for who He is and what He's doing right now in our lives. And also proclaim the victory that lies ahead for all of us. So that's part of what God is doing. So 
moving from the Old to the New Testament, that right there declares the newness of God, the work of God. If I were to make it as simple as possible, maybe too simplistic, if I were to put the Old Testament in the context of what it was about, it's this. If you sin, you will die. There you have it. There's the Old Testament. If you sin, you will die. Then he added this. Good for God, but he added this. I will accept your sacrifices for your sins. So there's the Old Testament. Two statements. If you sin, you will die, but I will accept your sacrifices for your sins. Then God made a new covenant with us. Jesus put it this way when he was with his disciples on that last night before his crucifixion. He told them the bread represented his body that would be broken for them and that the cup represented his blood, which was shed for the remission of their sins and for the sins of all who would believe. So the new covenant is this. If you sin, you will die. But I will make a sacrifice for your sins. And if you believe in me, you will never die. How many like the new way of thing, uh, how God has said it? How, like, how many like the new covenant? Yeah, if you sin, you will die. But I, not you, will make a sacrifice for your sins. And if you believe in me, you will never die. I like that transformation. I like that new way of doing things. Speaking of a new way of doing things, then he says, and go and make disciples. Go into all nations and make disciples. Compare that to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you don't find any Jews going anywhere trying to make more Jews out of the other people. They only had fear or hate. For everyone else. They would hunker behind their walls and try to hold them off and weren't always successful. When they weren't successful is when they sinned. They were only successful in keeping the enemy at bay when they were obedient. But they were never going out trying to win over other people. God says, go into all nations and make disciples. Make believers. Show them the truth of who I am. And it was in a new way, a new motivation. It was love, not hate. It was peace, not war, that they brought. And it was joy, not fear, that emanated out of their spirits. God had done a new thing. Praise God. And therefore, he there was a new result. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, Jesus would tell us that you don't put new wine into old wineskins. So things change. The church is radically different than when I started ministry 45 years ago. Sometimes... Us old guys look back and wish things were like they used to be. 
That's because we lie to ourselves about how things used to be. Or maybe we're just getting all so old, we can't remember all of those things. Dementia, I suppose, sets into the spirit sometimes, and we don't recognize that God has been moving. I know we, we look at our challenges here in this life, in this nation, but how many of you know that since I've been in ministry, Christianity has exploded around the world? I mean, you just hear about ISIS, and you hear about things like this, and communist godless countries, when all along the kingdom of God is exploding around the world. Praise God. Last century, January 1, 1900, a little girl named Agnes Osmond got filled with the Holy Ghost on a, in a New Year's Eve celebration that carried over into the morning. Became the first Pentecostal believer in the world. Spirit-filled, that is. By the end of the century, over 600 million people were Pentecostal believers. And today, and today, it's even greater than that. And more than 2 billion people now serve the Lord with joy and gladness. God is transforming the world right before our eyes. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering for that. But what we do is we fight the new. There are three reasons that I want to share with you why we fight the new. But can I tell you the, the solution and the hope in all three? The hope is in the faithfulness of God. You sang about, about Him this morning. You sang about His faithfulness. You sang about the fact that He is able. Praise God. So when you hear the three things that we have to fight against that come into our spirit, understand that by faith, all these can be overcome. And the first simply is uncertainty. We don't know how it's going to turn out. The second one is risk. Well, it could all go horribly wrong. And the third one is change. It definitely will be different. And that, that's not easy. And when it's different, probably forever it will be different. So how do you deal with uncertainty, risk, and change? Only by the grace and faithfulness of God and by your own faith. Now, I do have a word for you this morning. Then I'm going to tell you a story about my own life. Here's the word. I believe that God is getting ready to do something new in you. God's getting ready to do some amazing things. Some of you may even have an, an, just the slightest inspiration about what, it was going, what God is getting ready to do. Some of you are sitting here, well, I, I, well, I hope it happens. But I really believe it. Steve said, we share the DNA. Our DNA actually goes back 70 years. R.O. Corbin launched a new school in Oklahoma City, actually on the outskirts of Oklahoma City, in the farmlands surrounding Oklahoma City. In 1946, 
He started Southwestern Bible School over on 10th Street, 4700 Northwest 10th Street. I don't know that it was the address at that time in 1946. Two months into the school term, he realized there was a problem. He didn't have a lot of students, but the ones he had all went to church on Sunday. But very few of them coming off of World War II had, had automobiles. And so they'd get on buses. My mother was in the very first class. And she told me that she'd get on a bus and ride to church. And it was a two-hour ride one way to church because the bus made so many stops. Dr. Corbin realized this problem. And so he came up with a solution, and he started a church on the campus of Southwestern. My mother was the very first pianist for the brand-new church at Southwestern. It grew among the students and faculty, and in five years later, they built a facility across the street, and it became a new church called Muse Memorial. Kind of sad that you'd call a new thing a memorial, but it became Muse Memorial Church and continued to grow and prosper and did marvelous things. Interesting enough about that church from its inception, and its inception was because it was a church that sent, because they were in its initial stages ministering to students at a college who would come to learn of God, be prepared for ministry, and then go into the uttermost parts of the earth. They sent pastors to pastor. They sent missionaries onto the mission field. They sent workers everywhere after they left school. And so in the DNA of the college and therefore the campus church was we're a sending church. The world will grow by the work we do. The kingdom of God will grow in the world by the work we do. That was in the DNA. River of Life is Muse Memorial Church. Just relocated up on Northwest 150th Street. And the time I've been there, we've seen students come in, we've seen people come in, I've seen ministers come in, and they've come in, and sometimes they're, they're there because they're at Southwestern and they're just getting ready for the next phase in their life. Some have come to us because they were kind of down, a little discouraged, had thought they had failed at the previous ministry they had, so they came by and spent some time with us. I'm going to tell you something about Stephen and Julie that still amazes me. I don't even know if they remember these statements. Julie once said to me, after she'd become our worship leader, she had never seen herself as a worship leader. I know. Look to your neighbor and say, what? What? Isn't Julie one of the greatest worship leaders you've ever, ever seen? Julie, do you remember saying that to me? You do remember. Okay, now Steve, let me see if you remember this word. Steve said to me, he never saw himself as a pastor. He didn't think he'd ever be able to be a pastor. He gave me his various reasons, I'm just going to leave untouched right now, of why he would never pastor or never could see himself being a pastor. But God saw it all along, didn't he? God knew what he was doing. And praise God, 
we got to see Steve and Julie make a decision that they were called to pastor and were going to plant a church, and that's what they did. And say, praise God for that. And so out of River of Life, out of the DNA that first started in that church 70 years ago, we still were seeing people grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and heed their call and go and do the work. Sometimes I've thought to myself, I wonder what my congregation would be like if nobody had ever left. Raise your hand if you're letting on <laughs> Scott and Sonia see you back there. Tim and Cheryl will see you there. And I'm starting to say, raise your hand if you ever left River of Life. Don't do that to me right now. But that, you know what would have happened? We'd have been out of the will of God. Now, I'm getting ready to say something, and I'm just, I'm, here's another thing that Steve said to me. And, Pastor, I promise you this. When we launch this church, we'll always have in our heart the spirit that says, one day we'll plant a church out of Passion Church. transformation, new things, what God is doing. I'm standing before you, and if they call me your spiritual father, I can't wait to the day I become your grandfather, the grandfather to your child out of Passion Church. Don't be afraid. Uncertainty? I don't know when and how it's going to happen. Risk? Hey, it could be horribly wrong. Unless God is in it. Somebody give somebody a high five. If God's in it, it's not going to go wrong. And change. It will make things different, but that's a good thing. I want to take you clear back to when I got saved. I told you I wasn't going to reminisce, but here I am, an old man reminiscing. I got saved in November. I will celebrate the 50th anniversary of when I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a teenager. <clears throat> Got saved in a dental laboratory on a Friday night. I don't have time for that testimony. But uh, shortly thereafter, I got committed to church, started going to the youth services that were always on Sunday night before the main service. And then in January, they had their annual elections for the youth board. This is how ancient of days it was. Churches elected everybody for all positions back in the day. We actually voted on who was going to be the pianist every year at that church. All in favor of Julie Ealing being the worship leader of Passion Church, say aye. aye. Okay, we just took a vote. You're still the, still the worship leader. Praise God. And I got elected the assistant director of the youth ministry. An 18-year-old guy got elected the youth pastor. Well, we didn't call him youth pastor, the youth leader. And so here are two teenagers who'd never done anything like this ever before, and then my 15-year-old sister got elected the treasurer, secretary treasurer. I don't know if there was any money, but she was the secretary. And so we would meet every week on Tuesday night to pray and plan out the service that would be next Sunday night. And every time we gathered, we would pray about needs. And I had this same need in those first few meetings. I was praying that my parents would recommit their lives to Christ. They had been pastors. They did love God, but they weren't serving God in that capacity 
I'm not going to go into their testimony. They're both in heaven today celebrating. They just had their 68th anniversary last week in heaven. Praise God. It was a party time, I'm sure. But it was the same, test, uh, same prayer request. Lord, reclaim my parents. Then in March, two months into our, oh, I, I didn't tell you, I, before I get to March, i got to mention, so my assignment as this new assistant youth pastor was to lead the songs. We didn't call it worship. We called, I was the song leader for youth ministry. Things have changed. I had never done anything like that, and we, had, we didn't have a pianist in the youth group. But my mother played the piano. Remember I mentioned she was the first pianist for Southwestern and for our church? So I asked my mother if she would start coming to youth service. Who asked their mother to come to youth service? But I did because I needed her to play the piano for me so I could lead songs. So she'd start helping me. So we would practice on Sunday afternoons the songs that we were going to sing in youth service that night. And that was about six weeks because I asked her within two weeks of getting that assignment back in January. Six weeks in... One night, I heard my parents, I was in my bedroom, I wasn't asleep, and I heard my parents fall on their knees and pray unto God and give their lives back to Christ in their own bedroom. Praise God. So I'm thinking, this is wonderful. My life has been changed through the power of God. Now my parents' lives have been reclaimed by the power of God. And I was so excited. This is wonderful. Not knowing the change that this would produce. And here was the change. About four weeks later, my parents sat all of us down and said, we've given our lives back to Christ. And I'm smiling. I'm beaming. I'm feeling so good about it. And they said, so we're returning to ministry. Oh, okay. Good, good. And we're going to become Pentecostal holiness again. I don't know what that means to you, but to my ear, that went, what? What is that? What is that? That's not the church we attended. It's not where I got saved. It's not where I was the assistant youth leader. It's not where my mother was playing the piano for youth. What is that? It was the weirdest sounding thing I'd ever heard in my life. And we've applied, and they've accepted us, and we are now changing churches. Okay, that was bad enough. And we're going to move because we're going to become pastors again. We lived in a place called Palmdale. It's just north of Los Angeles. And they were going to go try out. That, that was a new term to me. Try out for a church in Arvin, which is just outside of Bakersfield. We went. They tried out on a Sunday morning, and there were 11 people in church, six of whom were my parents and my three sisters and me. So there were five other people in church at this little bitty place out in the farming communities outside of Bakersfield, California. Don't know if you've ever been there. Don't bother if you haven't. And I am so upset. The biggest fight I ever had with my father in fact, the only fight I can ever remember having with my father was over this. We were changing churches. We're moving. We're going to pastor a tiny little church. 
And do you know it's my senior year of high school that I'm having to move? I'm leaving all my friends, everybody I know, everything's changing, and I hated it. Ever been there where things are changing, it's out of your control, and you're hating every moment that you're going through? But now I've got the perspective of today. Two weeks after we moved to Arvin and started pastoring this tiny little church, we went to something called camp meeting. It was going to be 10 days of church every day. In fact, there would be three services a day. I took five books with me thinking I am going to be so bored at this thing called camp meeting. But for the first time in my life, I mentioned the youth ministry. There was the the youth leader that was 18, I was 16, and my two sisters. That was the youth group. I went to this camp meeting thing, and suddenly there were 50 teenagers around the place. And for the first time, I realized there were other teenagers in the world serving God and loved God with everything that was within them. I actually loved it. So when they talked about youth camp, which I had never heard of, I didn't know there was such a thing as youth camp, I went to youth camp. And at youth camp, I got called to preach at this Pentecostal holiness youth camp out in the deserts of Southern California. I was called to preach in the Thursday night service. I still remember the Lord speaking to me as I'm at the altar at a youth camp, which I had never heard of before this. And then a recruiter came and talked to me about Southwestern. I didn't even know my parents had gone to Southwestern. But after I tell them about this recruiter, they said, well, that's where we went and prepared for ministry. So now I'm feeling like I'm called to preach. I need to go to Southwestern to prepare to preach. So I went to Southwestern Christian University and met Linda Foster from Guyman, Oklahoma. Fell in love, and we got married. And the rest is history. And I'm thinking all along, I'm hating the change that has happened in my family. I was glad my parents got saved. But uprooting us, moving in my senior year of high school, I was so mad at my father for that. That his obedience to the Lord led me down a path that has brought me to this place right here this morning sharing that word with you i never saw any of that coming i could not have imagined how it would turn out i just thought it's going to be horrible and everything was changing in my life like that and i had no say in it apparently But here's the good news. God had a say. And He is the sovereign God, and He is with us wherever we're going. Now, church, Passion Church, this word can be for you as an individual. You may be right in the midst of things that seem out of control, and you don't know what's about to happen. You can't, with any certainty, understand the end result. You just know it's going to be different and things are changing and you're not certain about that there's some risk at it risk in it same for this church but God is in control 
God is faithful and he is able and he is with you. So I want to give you this challenge. Have faith in God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God's getting ready to do things that you haven't seen yet. But get ready. God's in it. It's going to be great. I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and close your eyes. I want you to, uh, to just bear with me for just a moment. Father, we come to celebrate nine years of ministry through Passion Church. Through the leadership of Steve and Julie Ely, they have built a wonderful church. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we say thank you for what you have done. And we love and adore you, and we cherish the fact that your presence is always with us when we gather together in this sanctuary. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, most of all, we thank you that you're moving. You're always moving forward. You're always making things new. You're doing something different. You're doing something that is new. Lord, you're getting ready to do new things in this place. I don't know what they are. Perhaps Steve has already tasted a glimpse or seen a glimpse of what you're getting ready to do. Father, we trust you with everything. In the name of the Lord, we ask that you would give us more faith. Give us faith for the uncertainty of the days ahead. Give us faith for whatever risks may be involved. Give us faith to endure the challenges of changes in Jesus' name. Father, sometimes that applies just to us as individuals. You're always doing something new. Nothing ever remains exactly as it always has been. Father, somebody is going through transitions right now. There's transformations taking place in many of the people that are sitting in in this room this morning. I'm going to take a moment while you're just reflecting upon the Lord. Raise your hand and say, Pastor Richard, pray for me this morning. My life is, is going through change. There are transitions that I'm dealing with. Some of them are challenging. Some are fun, but many of them are, I'm just struggling to see what's next and to have an idea of where I'm headed. All right, there are several hands. There's several hands throughout this congregation. I'm not surprised because that's what life is. Life is all about change. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> for everyone that just lifted the hand and said, my life is in transition. I'm dealing with the challenges and changes that are going on in my life. Some I'm kind of excited about, and yet it's scary because it's risky. Father, some of them, I'm literally wishing they weren't happening, but I can't stop them. In the name of Jesus Christ, for everyone that lifted a hand, I pray your spirit will come upon them. You will give them peace of mind so that they'll know you're with them through these changes, that you'll understand that all things work together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Father, you have a plan. 
and you're faithful and able to fulfill and execute the plan that you've designed. In Jesus' name. <coughs> Steve and Julie. Oh, sorry, Julie. I want to ask Steve and Julie to come and just stand with me right now. Steve, I, I have no idea how your leadership is constructed. I'd like to ask, who would, who would you call? The pastoral team. I'm going to ask the pastoral team to, to rise and step forward and stand with your pastors. Somebody give praise for your pastoral team here at Passion Church. Praise God. I happen to know almost all of these people up here. What a great team you've got. All right. Steve and Julie, step forward. Just a couple steps. Pastoral team, I want you to surround them right now. Every vision needs a visionary who hears God, who sees what God is doing, and is ready to move with the Lord. Don't you want that most in your leader? A visionary submitted to God, who sees and knows what God is saying and doing, and can lead you into that. Passion Church. You may not be standing up here as part of the pastoral staff team, but you are part of the heart of Passion Church. I need you to stand to your feet right now. All right. Pastoral team, lay your hands upon your visionary, upon the man of God who hears God in your behalf, who leads you in the steps that are ordered of the Lord who is leading this church into new places, doing new things to bring the glory of God even more powerfully into this place. Passion Church, stretch your hands towards your pastors right now. Heavenly Father, I lay my hands upon Steve and Julie Ely as I did just over nine years ago. Then I was releasing them to become the pastors that you were calling them to be, to plant a new church. The passion of their heart became the passion church that is represented here in this sanctuary this morning. God, it was such a joy to release them to do the work and the will of God for which they were called. Now this morning, I once again lay my hands upon them and I give you praise, honor, and glory for your spirit continues to be upon them. They still are hearing your voice speaking to them. They still are seeing the things that you showed them sometimes, Lord, the challenges seem daunting. What you require seems almost too much. But Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, everything that you've shown them is in your heart. Everything you're directing them to do is in your will. And I pray, Father, they will continue to be released into the will and purposes of God for their lives, for Passion Church, and most importantly, for the kingdom of God's sake. To thine be the glory forever and ever. And Lord, we say this together. Whatever you're getting ready to do, that new thing that's coming about, 
prepare our hearts, and we will celebrate the new thing that God is doing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You can be seated. Tari said, go ahead and cry. Well, I did that last night, so I'm not going to do it tonight. We sat around as a pastoral team and asked each person to share their favorite memory from Passion. And I got to go last, and that probably was a mistake because I started crying. That's something about getting older, too. I don't know what that's all about, but you start crying more when you get older. I don't know what that's about. But I think the reason I started crying was because I realized that we have this tendency to think about church as this place. But that's not what's exciting to me. I'm thankful for it, but it's the people. And I told the pastoral team last night when I was laying in a hospital room last March, wondering if I was going to live or not, the buildings didn't matter quite so much. But the people did. And that's what's exciting to me. Now, on top, on back of that, telling you buildings don't matter, one of the new things that is getting ready to happen, by the way, is that uh, we were approved by Extension Loan Fund, and we uh, close on August the 31st. And so within weeks after that, as long as Bethany plays nice, we y'all be in prayer. As long as Bethany pray, plays nice, we will start our new kids building by the... So... So we're excited about that. Um, not last year, year before, I preached a series called Climate Change. We restructured instantly, and I talked about 17 characteristics of kingdom climate. I'm convinced that that, in some very real ways, is is my life message. Um, if you haven't heard that series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because it sets the standard by which we operate. I'm in the process, it's been a long, slow process, and i got to get started again of trying to write that as a book. But one of the major characteristics of the kingdom, the climate that we want to set, is honor. Somebody reminded me this weekend um, in the training session we were in, I've known this quote for a long time, but it's this. What you fail to celebrate in your life will eventually exit your life. And so when Pastor Richard got ready to speak and you were giving him the great welcome that you gave him, I told him that one of the concerns that I've had, my team knows this, is that I'm not sure we daughtered well. We honored our word. We did. We said what we said. What we would do, we did it. But as all babies do, when the focus is is on you and the attention's on you, you get caught up in that. And I'm not sure that at the moment I understood the cost and the risk and the uncertainty and the pain and the fear. And all of that that went into them releasing us. And I'm not sure we daughtered well. 
Lord, we want to correct that. I don't think that we can continue forward and accomplish everything that God has called us to do if we don't daughter well. And so out of that, we wanted this whole day being about honoring you. We know that we would not be here if it wasn't for you guys. And everything that we see happening, the people that come through the pantry, the, the uh, last night I said I made a list, I made a list of the, all the people that we'd helped in our congregation and outside of the congregation, not counting coat giveaways, hot dog giveaways, any of that. And over $100,000 has gone into helping people. That doesn't count missions. That doesn't count church planting. That counts just handing out to helping people in need, many of who are sitting in this congregation now. Every Sunday that that stuff happens, every weekend that that stuff happens, it's because of y'all. Y'all made it happen. And so we honor you. We want that to be a part of the climate of our church, that we honor you. And so y'all get to come back up. We're going to flip the script on you. So would you come here? As a body, first of all, we say thank you. You are welcome. Call me and say, I got a word. I'll hand you the microphone. No questions asked. <laughs> I forgot to do this, and I meant to do it. So he said, if I ever have a word, he'd give me the microphone. So this is your ninth anniversary. I think we need to bring the two churches together for a 10-year celebration next year. So I'd like for us to start planning that celebration. It'll happen next year to celebrate 10 years of Passion Church. Would you accept my invitation for the two churches to join together for that celebration? Absolutely. When you're a teenager, you think you know everything. But all of a sudden past few years I've realized that my mom and dad were pretty stinking smart and pretty stinking awesome. Wait for my kids to get there. Hurry up. <clears throat> Word. <laughs> but we think you guys are pretty awesome. I think y'all are pretty smart. You've been great to Annie and Esther, would you come? We have some gifts we'd like to give you. Pastor Rich, we have a bouquet of flowers for you. I'm playing. It's for Miss Linda. Miss Linda, we have a big bouquet of flowers for you. And Pastor Rich, we're going to hand you this envelope, um, but it's really for both of you. As a body, what we've done is uh, we have purchased you a bed and breakfast. In uh, We didn't buy the whole bed and breakfast. We purchased you. <laughs> I'm writing, my mouth is writing checks I can't cash. So uh, we we purchased you a, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we purchased you a, um, a, a night at a bed and breakfast um, with all meals paid in Guthrie and tickets. And you don't have to use it at this time, but this is the one I hear is really cool, is for the territorial Christmas that they put on. If you've already been to that, it's also good for any other thing they do. And then there's a check in there that will hopefully help you have 
having some fun as well. But we just want you guys to know that we honor you and that we love you very much. And we're thankful for you and what you did for us. And we know that we're here because of you. So would you give them a hand this morning and let them know how much we love you. We're going to honor them, too, and let them go first because I've seen some of y'all eat. Uh, and on these days, there's some folks that don't always get to eat, so we're going to let them go first. We'll make that happen. Uh, let me do a couple more things real quickly before we uh, get out of here. Um, uh, if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you are welcome in this family. And uh, we're not for everybody. We understand that, but we might be for you. And this is a good place to be. And so if you are visiting with us in your little worship program, there's a communication card. If you could fill that out and on the way out, hand it to someone there in the back. I have cards if this is your second time. We didn't do the cookies today for first-time visitors because we're eating a full meal. So if this is your first time and you don't get cookies today, you can come see me next week and I'll give you cookies because they're really good. You don't want to miss them. But if it's your second time, you can come see me and I'll get you uh, the coupon for the free pizza that that is yours for being here the second time. Um, before... Uh, before we um, leave, we need to do a couple of things. First of all, if the ushers would prepare and get ready, you can go ahead and start. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Um, also want to remind you that I think it's in, a, it's in two weeks our equip classes start, and I want you to be a part of that, and it's going to be good. But today's kind of also um, a bittersweet day for us. Because Karen and Johannes and the kids are moving. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.